Ladies and gentlemen, this What's up, everybody? This is IBS Yeezus coming at you guys live with week four of the College Football Podcast. I'm waiting on my co-host, Marcus Anthony. Um, I didn't do a signature intro this week. Um, I'm not even going to lie. I got so busy at work, I didn't even have time to do it. So um, when Marcus comes on, uh, we're going to jump right into the show. Uh, We got a pretty interesting show this week. Uh, we've got two really key matchups uh, coming this week uh, with the Notre Dame Fighting Irish and the um, Georgia Bulldogs, um, as well as uh, Michigan Wolverines are visiting the Wisconsin Badgers, uh, which sets up uh, pretty well for um, some interesting storylines uh, and some posturing for the national championship slash college football playoff picture. Um, so I can't wait to get Marcus on to um, really get going talking about that, as well as, of course, our signature uh, segment, which is the kitty table, um, which we have jokingly decided to name the uh, Seminole Corner. <laughs> so, I mean, I actually had a rough week on the books uh, for college football. I did have one extremely good play, uh, which I did share uh, in our all-star group. But um, as far as what I did personally, I took a hit this weekend, uh, which happens from time to time. You know, you shoot your shots, and and, uh, sometimes it doesn't always go in. Um, I did admittedly go ahead and take the 28 with Syracuse, and it was probably the worst beat of my season so far. Um, Clemson and some bullies there on my hit list. They didn't need to score that garbage touchdown. Uh, I could at least got a push, and uh, they just went for the jugular. Uh, it was kind of personal for them, so that kind of hurt me a little bit. And um, going from there, I didn't bet too much Pac-12, um, but then I also took a couple knocks on um, a couple other games as well, uh, one of those being the Maryland ter- Terrapins game. Um, I did back Maryland. Uh, more of a let me see what we're going to get here play. I didn't put a whole lot on it, but I definitely will count that in the loss bracket just because I, I really thought that uh, Maryland would go ahead and step up and um, and cover and ultimately win. Uh, shout out to Temple for showing up, and that's kind of what you get with college football. Um, I think um, that's just basically foreshadowing for what we're going to see uh, come this next couple months uh, because we've got a lot of a lot of matchups um, and like I said starting with Wisconsin versus um, Michigan as well as Notre Dame uh, versus Georgia so still trying to get Marcus on and we'll see what we get as you guys know sometimes blog talk isn't always the best so just bear with us um, I will start editing these shows so we don't get as much uh, background noise as well as um, these jacked up segments of blog talk. So, okay, here we go. Marcus is coming on. Three, two, one. Marcus, can you hear me? Gotcha. What's up, man? How you doing? I'm good, man. Hey, uh, go ahead and uh, bring in your kitty table uh, nominee for this week. All right. So, for this week, man, my kitty table, one, I've been disappointed in the Michigan State Spartans, man. I mean, to be the number 18th ranked team in the country and to make, you know, this holistic change to their offensive staff. I shouldn't say holistic change. They didn't fire anyone. They just rearranged. They just demoted their coordinator to a position coach, promoted position coach to a coordinator. And that, to me, just already signaled just, you know, instability, man, and insufficiency on the offensive side of the ball because they have a quality defense. To lose 10-7 to 7 to Jaden Daniels, who's going to be an incredible player. I think he has the potential down the road to, I mean, be one of the better quarterbacks in the country and to be mm-hmm. arguably the best player in the Pac-12. But, I mean, to lose a game to 10-7 to and to be a dark horse candidate in the Big Ten and to just go out and just 
look the way they look, man, and just, I mean, <laughs> I can't, I just don't understand, you know, how a program like Michigan State, who is well-respected and does a pretty good job of, you know, recruiting the guys maybe that doesn't go to, North, you know, Notre Dame or Ohio State and the Michigan and taking those guys and to building them into quality players, man. But, you know, I really thought they were going to be a dark horse contender this year in the Big Ten, and it doesn't look like it, man. I, I think that, you know, for Michigan State, man, having to see that at the kitty table and chill out and, I think, man, D'Antonio, man, may be at the end. It's just this constant regression year after year, man. You got a senior that quarterback in Brian Lewerke. You got, you know, pieces back on the offensive side of the ball, man. It's just it's unacceptable. And it's a bad look for the Big Ten, man. We're looking a little funny, funny in the light in, in a few places. I'm going to go ahead and uh, take a, uh, a different stance. My kitty table nominee is a homegrown ACC team in the form of Boston College. Boston College, <laughs> I, I had high hopes for you guys. Uh, I mean, high hopes as in you, you would it's probably easy. win more than six, six and a half games. I don't know. I just I just felt like they were a program that was going to be sneaky uh, competitively and then also sneak in some wins this year. But, wow, Kansas came in and – I don't even know if there's a, a term because punched in the mouth doesn't even like maybe curb stomp. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I really expected, I almost even took a live bet on the line because I was like, oh, I'll just let Kansas get up and Boston College is going to come back, watch. And then I got distracted by something, thankfully. I think it was another game one uh, that I was watching as well. And when I looked back at the score, I was like, Jesus. <laughs> Wow. Um, <laughs> shout out to Kansas, though, man. I mean, they showed up. They showed out. Um, I don't agree with all that Les said after the game, but he has every right to beat his chest uh, as they were 21-point underdogs uh, hitting into that Boston College game. And not only did they outright win, but they darn near beat Boston College by 21. So um, you got to give them credit, man. Uh, it's a big win for that program. Obviously, they don't have too many wins. Uh, in that program's like last like six seven years or I don't even remember the yeah. last time Kansas was good. Um, so um, shout out to Wes, man. What is what is uh, Les, What is up with these coaches, Les and Mac, rejuvenating these these programs that uh, people kind of wrote off for dead, man? Who's the next yeah. coach coming back? Is Urban coming back? Listen, listen. No, Urban's not coming back. Don't get me started on that. Don't get me started on that. <laughs> because the thing I think with with less man is that Kansas is like you said. I mean to win a, against a Power Five opponent. I mean it may just sound common, but that's a huge deal at Kansas, man. And right yeah. now they're two and one. And you know I think less less's style and his approach to football I think works for what Kansas is and what they want to be. Right? He's a very much a fundamentally technically sound. They're going to run the ball and allow the run game to be able to dictate, you know, their physicality and how they want to play. Now, it's going to take some time to get the guys that he needs into Lawrence, but, I mean, that's a big win for them. You're right. And if you're BC, man, come on. You're talking about Kansas. They just lost to Coastal Carolina, for crying out loud, the week before. And to come in and not just, you know, lose, but to, like you said, to get beat by arguably one of the worst teams in college football, I, I think they're still, you know, not where they need to be. And one of the worst teams in Big 12, man, is – yeah, have a seat, bro. Like, <laughs> I mean, Kansas got me so hyped. I just went on ahead and laid the line um, for their uh, game against West Virginia. I was like, I don't even care. I was like, I'm getting points <laughs> with Kansas at home. I was like, I never thought I'd say this. As a matter of fact, um, I have to admit, I think maybe uh, week two, maybe it was the Coastal Carolina game, uh, I was talking to um, my friends, and uh, one of them was like, hey, I'm taking Kansas this week, and I laughed out loud. Literally looked at the text and laughed out loud. I was like, "Who would bet Kansas? <laughs> what What are we doing with our lives?" <laughs> and and sure enough, they didn't cover. And like you said, they got beat. And then you turn around, you see a 21 point spread on Boston College, and I was like, "Well, I'm not taking that." But I wouldn't doubt they just destroy them. And nope. So I mean, I think that's the beauty of what we're gonna get this year in college football is yeah. that honestly, we really don't know what we're going to get week in and week out in regards to some of these smaller programs um, coming through and, and taking on that task of, of playing the upset. Um, yeah. Speaking of upsets, let's just roll into the marquee matches. I know everybody wants to talk about them. Um, we will cover what I think is the most important game 
of the weekend, and that would be Michigan visiting Wisconsin. Michigan. So there's a couple interesting storylines. Uh, both teams got bye weeks. Uh, Wisconsin obviously was doing a whole lot better, looking a whole lot better uh, than Michigan was. Um, I think the bye week really helps Michigan uh, from a, a scheme standpoint because they can get that triple option prep out of their system and uh, and really work on their offense. But in my mind, this is a a must-win game for um, a couple reasons. One, obviously the program needs this win because they've got a gauntlet. We talked about this in the last podcast. Yeah. Um, I think Maryland might be the only team not ranked uh, left on their schedule at this point, maybe. But either yeah. way, they've got they've got a gauntlet of games coming through. And then, and most importantly, is that a couple of these games, such as this one this weekend, is on the road against the ranked opponent. And we all know about Harwell's record uh, against ranked opponents. Uh, the second aspect that I think is very important is that this will challenge the coaching staff because Michigan has not looked good uh, these first couple weeks of football, and they have to get it together. Uh, against this Wisconsin team this week. Do you sense urgency uh, for the Michigan program, or or do you think it's just a little overhyped? I sense a lot of urgency for Michigan, but I don't think it's as, you know, if they lose to Wisconsin, it isn't the end-all, be-all for this season because you still have Michigan State, Penn State, and Ohio State, which means you still can represent the east side of the uh, Big Ten Conference and still represent the conference in the Big Ten Championship and potentially get into the college football playoffs. But losing to Wisconsin, what I think that can do, there has been rumors that if Shea Patterson doesn't play well, that the coaching staff is ready to move on from him. You got a guy that's as dynamic of a playmaker on their team as Zach Charbonnet, who is reportedly injured and could possibly be out for the week. Now, if that happens, man, you're talking about a guy who's coming into the game, looking over his shoulder, and against a quality opponent, right? You talk about Wisconsin, I mean, the way they're playing, I think, Right now, I would say Wisconsin's the second-best team in the Big Ten. If you lose this mm-hmm. game, what's that going to do to the locker room, right? You're the Big Ten favorite the preseason. We've heard just as every other season, every other offseason, that Michigan is the preseason favorite. So it's like now it's okay. Now we're back to essentially, you know, where we've been every other year. To lose on the road to Wisconsin, a primetime game where everybody's watching, I mean, it's really going to say a lot about Jim Harbaugh. I mean, Michigan is 1-6 against the spread in the last seven games on the road in September. Like, I mean, think about that. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they, and we know what Harbaugh's record is on the road in big games. And, I mean, this is a big rivalry game, man. And I think this we're going to really know truly after this week what Michigan is and what they aren't. So, I mean, I don't think it's end-all, be-all, but it's definitely going to be an increased sense of urgency in that program if they lose to Wisconsin. Because I think if you lose to Wisconsin, man, it's some Penn State down the road, and we, of course, know, you know, the game. Ohio State, Michigan, man. I mean, it's not going to look good for them going down the road. So it's it's a must win. Yeah, and, and I mean, from a uh, – I guess we can incorporate both gambling and um, in general just X's and O's. It's a difficult game, man. It's a difficult place to yeah, play. Really Wisconsin is yeah. always very solid at home. Um, it's it's kind of it's kind of a um, unfortunate situation. For Michigan, that they would that they would have to face a team like this coming off the bye. You would probably Harbaugh would much rather prefer, especially with them having to tinker with the offense, some uh, to face Rutgers, who they have after Wisconsin. But I mean, you look at just these next three games. You got Wisconsin, then you might get a break. You got Rutgers at home, but then Iowa comes to visit, which is another tough yeah. game. Now, Iowa's not the same Iowa on the road, but they will be a ranked opponent that they've got to face. Um, Let's see, we got one, two, three, four uh, ranked opponents in the next month of football for them. Out of their next yeah. six games, four are top 25. Uh, number 13, Wisconsin, they have to visit. Then they turn around and have to visit um, Penn State October uh, 19th. They've got Iowa coming in on October 5th. And then October 26th, Notre Dame comes in. And, and again, yeah. not pushover teams, you know. Um, and then they have to go to the ultimate trap house after they play Notre Dame, and that's at Maryland. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's it's a tough set of games. I've been very critical of Jim Harbaugh. Um, nobody wants to see him suffer more than me. Um, but <laughs> I got to say, I got to say, a part of me feels a little bad for the guy because he's not known to make adjustments. He's not known to uh, – 
to to get better after a bye week to me. I, I mean, maybe I'm I'm being too critical, but I just I just don't like the idea of them maybe switching a quarterback um, mid game or even um, as much as they've invested in Shea having to switch a quarterback um, just earlier than what they expected. It, it's it's shaping up to be something that'll make you scratch your head. Uh, the line is at three and a half, I believe, still. Let me double-check our buddies over here. And my bookie, yes, it's still at three and a half with Wisconsin being favored. Uh, the money line seems more appealing to me um, at uh, 165. Yeah. Um, just to be on the safe side because you don't want to take a chance with kickers in college. Um, you don't want to take a chance um, with this being closer than what it should be. I will say that historically speaking, historically speaking, uh, Michigan has not fared well against the spread like you stated um, on the road. But the safer bet would probably be Wisconsin money line. Um, I have yeah. Wisconsin winning, unfortunately, after all that stuff I just said. I still have Wisconsin winning. <laughs> and I, mean, I think tough, Wisconsin, man, man it's, a, it's a tough game for them as well, right? We've heard so much about, you know, Wisconsin and improved passing game. I mean, so far, what I've seen from Jack Cohen has been impressive. He's a, a, yeah. a major upgrade from Alex Honeybrook. Yeah. I mean, so far, he's thrown for 564 yards, five touchdowns. He's had no pick. Zero. And if you're a solid Zero. game manager in that system, the way they run the ball and the way they set up the downfield passing game and the play action, if you're a guy that's just efficient and you can be a 65, you know, 55, 65% passer in that offense, you can have a really yeah. successful career. And it does a lot more for their offense. We've seen Jonathan Taylor has been explosive in the run game, but also they're using him a lot more in the passing game. And I think if people watch Paul Chris, I do enjoy watching Wisconsin because I know they're, you know, known for that downhill physical run game. But if you watch what Paul Chris does on offense, he does a lot of different things in the run game, from the counter to the trap game. And looking at his three-step and five-step play action game that, you know, they use a lot of different tight ends, bunch formations to really – you know, get a good pre-snap read for the quarterback and to be able to set things up, you know, for Jonathan Taylor and the tight ends and the offensive line. So, I mean, if, if Wisconsin, it's a big game for them too because I think, you know, people kind of thought Iowa and even Nebraska, you know, on the west side, even my, myself, I really still like Iowa to represent the west. But, you know, if they could beat Michigan, man, you know, it's, it's back to another, I think, top 10, top 15 season for Wisconsin being one of the better teams in the Big Ten. Yeah, and I got to say that um, I feel like if if you like the NFL style of games um, in yeah. college football, this will probably be one of those games. Um, I mean, the under should theoretically pop, but the issue will be that, like you talked about, uh, Wisconsin's quarterback, when I think of the old Wisconsin um, with, with Hornybrook, they always had trouble extending drives, always had trouble moving yeah. the chains, even – even on uh, third and four, third and five type situations where they technically can't run for it and guys load the box up uh, to kind of stop their run, uh, they've always had trouble with, with accuracy and things like that. And, yes, their competition hasn't been the best, but, again, you look for little things. Look for execution. Like, the man has five five uh, touchdowns, no interceptions, 76% completion rating, uh, obviously, he's seeing people open, making the right throws, being efficient, and he's still got one of the best running backs, if not arguably the best running back uh, in the nation behind him. That's very dangerous, uh, especially yeah. when you talk about the inefficiency of the Michigan offense lately. You're going to end up in a game that honestly could play uh, in Wisconsin's favor because of field position. They've gone, they're going to get shorter fields, or you look at it like they're going to control the clock more. And then we don't know what what we're getting out of Michigan offense. God forbid they get down a couple scores and they have to play at a pace that they don't want to play at. They have like like uh, Patterson's clearly not comfortable right now. Um, yeah, this could go this could go bad really quick. Um, so <laughs> I think we'll know within the first within the first half how things are gonna yeah. go. Um, and again, I don't have much respect for Harbaugh's second half adjustment. So if he's down uh, at the half, I, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and just chalk it up as a Wisconsin win. I'll be very shocked uh, if Michigan were to go in at the half, make some adjustments and come out and come back and win a game or be ahead at the half, go in, make adjustments and, and keep the lead. So, um, yeah, it's, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. Uh, and that game, luckily for us, starts at 12. 
because the 12 o'clock slate last week was <laughs> so um switching over to the next marquee game uh we've got the fighting irish of notre dame visiting the great state of georgia um oh. this line is a slight interest of mine just because uh they're giving 14 and a half to the visiting Ooh. fighting irish I, I think that's a little steep, man. Um, Georgia yeah. hasn't really faced competition, um, but I, I know that Georgia is talented. They're definitely one of the more talented teams in the nation. That program has a ton of good athletes in depth. Uh, they think of themselves to be the next Alabama or equal to Alabama. They're going to get up for this game, and I have little faith in Kelly on the road. So, I don't know. What do, you, what do you think? Man, you know, to me, is I want to see truly who Notre Dame is, right? Like mm-hmm. like you said, I don't have a lot of confidence on Brian Kelly in the road. His road record has been somewhat, you know, it's been average. And I think for Notre Dame and for Ian Book and for those guys, it's, I want to see how they adjust it, how they respond to an aggressive Georgia defense. Kirby's going to give them a lot of different looks. So if yeah. Ian Book can, is able to keep them out of, you know, second and long, third and long situations and, you know, neutralize and take advantage of the short field. And I think Notre Dame will have a shot. Now, I do think Georgia probably has a little more firepower, and I think it's just a more talented football team and at home, and I think they're going to win. But, I mean, 14 and a half, I do like Notre Dame to keep it close. I'd like it to be more of an 8 to 11 point game. I think Mm -hmm. I I could see that. I think 14 or two touchdowns, a better game, I, I don't see that. Yeah, four, 14 is, is, is steep, but in the same breath, man, I just – I knowing what I know about our, our good friend Brian Kelly and, and some of these games where he's he's had an opportunity to really separate himself and the team and the program has had an opportunity to elevate their status, they always come up short. Um, I don't think they've always – I don't think they've ever had a spread this large before, though, in regards to them yeah. being underdogs. I think last year's game, was it was it the Miami game or was that the year before last where they came in favored or came in people expecting them to win and they really just needed that game um, to get into the playoffs, basically, mm-hmm. and, they, and they just laid an egg. Um, yeah. And it's not – and they lay eggs at Stanford from time to time, too. It's just one of those things where it's like you have to be on your A game and I don't know if he's got the personnel or the ability to coach the perfect game to beat a Georgia team that, like I said, I expect to come out swinging. Yeah, I mean, they've and, you know, listen, Jake Fromm has looked solid so far. I think he's like, you know, 42 or 55 for 600 yards, five touchdowns. And, you know, you look at the Georgia offense, it looks like it may be a little more explosive and they're willing to take, you know, more shots downfield. They got George Pickens is going to be a beast, man. He's a five-star receiver last year. He's the leading receiver on the team. And I, I like what mm-hmm. Georgia's going to do, man. I think guys like DeAndre Swift, and, you know, they got a stable of good running backs. And I don't know if Notre Dame's defense is up to the challenge. That's what I'm concerned about. I think Ian Book, and Claypool and some of the weapons that they have in Notre Dame to keep it close. It's just, I don't know if, you know, third quarter, right, I'll say, you know, after the five-minute mark, when you're probably going to see a little more traditional, I guess you could say, SEC football, right, where Georgia's going to try to drain the clock. I don't know if Notre Dame can get stops that it's going to need yeah. to be able to give back to Brian, um, Brian Kelly and Ian Book. That's my biggest concern about the game. But I think it's going to be a lot closer, man, than people think. I think we're just so accustomed. You know, we have Notre Dame fatigue, and we've just, you know, kind of written them off as a team who can't compete with teams who have, you know, equal coaching and better talent, that they're not truly, you know, this powerhouse team. They're just they're solid. They're a good football team. So I think for the first time I'm going to switch that narrative, and I think Notre Dame will, will keep it close, man. I think they're going to look pretty explosive, and I think they're a little bit better than what, you know, Vegas, I think some of the betting public feels, but – I mean, if I had to bet the line, I mean, at 14 and a half, I would definitely take Notre Dame. Yeah, and ultimately, uh, I think it's going to come down to to whether or not Notre Dame can protect the ball. Um, yeah. A lot of times when Georgia plays teams at home, uh, like you said, they do tend to take on a, a traditional uh, role in the second half of the SEC-type uh, grind team. They come out swinging 
throwing the ball and stuff early in the game. And then they, if they get ahead, they try to grind you down. Um, and then ultimately what that does is it tires out your defense. And then two, if you, if you turn the ball over, it just makes it that much worse. Um, and so they got to protect the ball. Um, they gotta, they gotta just bring their a game. I, I, 14 and a half is a little too much. 14 made me kind of go, eh. So I, I think I'm going to go ahead and stick to my gut and say that it is a little high. Um, but it would be a game that I would probably completely pass on as far as gambling goes. And I fully expect Georgia to win the game. Um, if they don't, that would be a huge win for Brian Kelly in that, in that program. But I just don't see it happening. Yeah. Um. So we've, we're – well, a quarter of the way in. We're three, four weeks in. Um, who's your Heisman favorite right now? Man, my Heisman favorite right now is Joe Bella. Like, I, I think early on in the season, we all know the Heisman really is, you know, not only do you have to be a team that's in contention, you have to have big moments. And so far yeah. out of the, you know, the, the better teams and the better players in college football, Joe Bell has had his moment. He went on the road against a really talented Texas team to get a win. And I think right now, just from his performance and how we played this season and how, you know, that big of a win, right now I think he's the favorite. Then I think it's followed by, I think, Jalen Hurts is, is number two. He's going to have his moments too. Tua is number three. Justin Fields is number four. Then Trevor Lawrence. And I think all of these guys, this is just, you know, my snapshot at week three, week four. And I think all of these guys are going to have their moments. But I think right now Joe Barrow is by far the favorite. <laughs> I actually like the Burroughs take. Honestly, I wasn't even thinking about him. I'm, I'm, I'm maybe yeah, I'm just so used to to uh, LSU doing what LSU do. I'm, I'm just going <laughs> to stick with with this idea that maybe, just maybe, these crazy guys out in Oklahoma, uh, Oklahoma might have another Heisman winning uh, quarterback, yeah. and and it's it's just because that offense has everything that you need. To, to impress Heisman voters. I mean, it's it's just everything. Like, Jalen gets to be Jalen, and he's always on TV uh, in front of everybody, and they just hammer you with it. And, and ESPN is circulating his games and stuff. And I, and I know Burroughs is probably playing equal to or better, uh, and he's definitely had some stiffer competition. But there's just something about Oklahoma and, and uh, Riley that just boom, 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 they just hit you with it over and over and over. Um, and the highlights and social media, everybody basically is talking about him. Um, and I really think that plays a part in swaying votes, uh, even though people don't normally talk about it. Uh, the media definitely drives home a lot of narratives. And it's almost mm-hmm. like Burroughs is getting drowned out by uh, a lot of Oklahoma, a, a sprinkle of um, sunshine and a sprinkle of Tua, you know. So mm-hmm. it's, it's a yeah. tough situation for him to be in. And I think his defining moment for his Heisman um, campaign will be when he plays uh, Alabama or when he gets into the SEC play. Um, he's he's got to have some, hey, we're here and, and we need business moments. So um, if I was laying some, some bets on, I probably would have put – I think I would have bet Jalen early anyway. But Burroughs is definitely a good hedge um, based off of, you know, their, their strength of schedule and, and so forth like you were talking about. And he's going to, uh, I mean, he's, like you said, he's going to have some bigger moments coming up. I mean, he still has to play Alabama. I mean, if, you know, if he can go out and have that type of game against Alabama, I think he's going to win the housing. But like you said, it's a, it's a lot of football left to be played. And we've seen LSU beat LSU, you know, and to really yeah. just not allow their quarterbacks, you know, go out and make plays and to go out and, you know, win football games for them. So we'll see. Keep an eye on uh, who, field. I'm telling people. Oh, yeah. De- yeah, definitely can't out. forget about Fields, and, and he'll get that. Good old Michigan boost at the end of the year. <laughs> um, who's your most surprising team so far? Man, you know, I would say my most surprising team is between two teams. One, and it's pretty obvious, is Maryland. I'm, I'm very surprised at how Maryland has been able to be, you know, not just a, a good football team, but it looks like, you know, they're going to be a better-than-average football team. And I think what Mike Loxley and is being able to do to come in in year one with guys like Anthony McFarlane and Josh Jackson and to be able to get that program on the right direction. And I think that's really what that university and that program needs. He's one of the better recruiters in the country and one of the most fertile recruiting areas in the country in the D.C., Maryland, Virginia area. And it's just been a surprise for 
you know, to see him being able to come in and to, you know, that program's been through a lot the last couple of years. You know, they went to Matt mm-hmm. Canada as a head coach. They went to DJ Durkin as a head coach. You know, they had the, um, you know, the player misconduct incident that really rocked the program. To see those guys come together and put together this type of season, that's pretty impressive. And I think, um, you know, we know who was lying and who wasn't lying between Loxley and <laughs> Josh Gaddis, right? Like, he was like, <laughs> yeah. you know, a guy that just knows offense, right, and how he was able to come in. You've seen guys that say, like, to or say how great of a coach he was. Jalen Hurts has come out in the public and support him. So, I, I like what Maryland's doing, man. I think, you know, going forward, I think you can see them really be, you know, a competitor in, in the Big Ten East. Yeah, I like uh, what Maryland has done, too. Um, and I know some people still get a little angry because we sing so much praise on them. But honestly, yeah. like, they, they came out of nowhere in my mind as far as how they've, yeah. they've played. And, and I know they just kind of had a, a little letdown um, against Temple. But still, like you were talking about, all the adversity that that program had to deal with uh, for them to even be in a position where they can get these kids to focus and uh, come out and compete week in and week out is, is something uh, amazing. And I think um, a lot of that credit can go to uh, the transfer portal, uh, transfer portal too, because he doesn't, he didn't have to completely start over with like a nobody, yeah. a quarterback. Like, you know, he got, uh, was it Josh Jackson? Um, mm-hmm. He's, he's talented. Yeah. He was, yeah, he was a talented quarterback and an athlete uh, out of Virginia Tech. He already had one of the better uh, running backs in the nation as well. Um, and, and just getting those guys to buy in and, and just, you know, hitting the road running, I think is great. Um, I would say honorable mention goes to Ohio State, but I, I was very high on them coming in. I, I didn't think Ryan Day would have any drop-off. Um, I know some people, people really did. really think that's a surprise? That, I don't know, I man. I mean, point. some people some people really – I think I think a lot of people expected them to, to kind of uh, stall a little bit. Uh, especially from the defensive side, but I mean they look great in all in all levels. So I don't know. Let me. I'm gonna have a homer moment for a second. I usually don't okay. do this, and I try to, <laughs> to warn people that I know when I say anything about you know Ohio State or the Big Ten, it's probably dismissed as homerism. But I mean it's safe to say I think now at this point you got to believe your eyes. The Ohio State University is a brand, and that place is a is so efficient and it's operating on such a high level. That only four. I mean, it's it's okay to say that that four or five programs in the country have separated themselves from the rest of the pack. And when you get a guy like Ryan Day, right? And, and college football, just like the NFL, it's it's not just the head coach. But if you look at the the operations and the infrastructure that's in place, Mark Pantone is one of the better player personnel people in college football. You look at the assistant coaches. You got guys like Larry Johnson, who's the we're becoming D line you. And you look at what he's done and to bring in a guy like Jeff Halfley and Greg Madison to fix the defense. And I said earlier in the year that if you look at talent composite based on guys like 24-7, we're the third most talented roster in the country, or arguably second. But it's just us in Alabama who's recruited at this level. And I don't think it should be a surprise to see Justin Fields be able to come in. and Ryan Day isn't Urban Meyer. If you watch Ohio State this year, you realize that and you see that as a tactician and as a play caller, he's as good as there is in college football. I think other than maybe Lincoln Riley, Chris Peterson, I mean, he's there. And I don't think it's a surprise. And I think this team, seeing what Justin Fields is today, and just to think to me that this kid is so inexperienced in a brand-new system, and he has so much football ahead of him, he hasn't even played his best game yet. And you look at we're just operating, we're so efficient on a high level because it's just five-star after five-star after five-star after four-star. And it's just, it shouldn't be a surprise. And I'm a two-dollar horn. I think we're one of the better teams in college football. I think, honestly, I think just looking at college football, I think that we're the third-best team in the country. But I think that, you know, the powers to be will dictate that, and we'll see what happens. There's still some really, really tough games down the road. But, man, we balling right now. And I, I, I'm not even afraid of two-dollar horn anymore. Yeah, I mean, the credit should be given uh, today into the transfer portal, which I'm still going to go ahead and, and be devil's advocate and just say, that was some shady business. Hey, man. <laughs> got, got it approved. But, hey, you know what? Money talks in, in, in college Money sports talks, for yeah. sure. We know this for sure. So I'm not I'm not mad at it. They got the guy that they wanted, um, and, and it's been a beautiful thing to watch. And, and I can't wait to see them um, – 
enter into a more uh, competitive uh, atmosphere. Yeah. Uh, just because, like I said, I want to. I just want to see. I want to see them challenge. I want to see all the good teams challenge, and uh, I, I look forward to seeing them um, with their challenge as well. We uh, get Wisconsin in the shoe in three weeks. That's going to be a huge game. Four weeks. That's going to be a huge game. Yeah, I was going to say. Um, Wisconsin could probably be added to that list. From a gambling perspective, uh, my biggest surprise from a gambling perspective has been uh, BYU. They've been pretty oh, good yeah. against the number. The Storm and <laughs> really? Mormons, baby. They've been pretty, yeah, good, they've been pretty, they've been pretty good for Pretty good yeah. against the numbers. Um, and so uh, I definitely got an eye on them. They got Washington visiting uh, on his six and a half. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep an eye on that game. I really want to see because that's a step up uh, for them to go against. But they held their own against uh, Utah for a little while, and they then held uh, their Utah, own against Utah. Yeah, yeah, and they beat and they USC. And I yeah. No, I'm sorry, go ahead. And I was gonna say Washington say hasn't looked to be as great with Jacob Eason. So I mean, for me, I looked at that line too, and I'm I'm kind of liking. It. I, I want to really take BYU against the points. Yeah, and and the only time that um, I really saw Washington kind of flare up was when our buddy from uh, Hawaii taught cash money and kind of motivated <laughs> yeah. him. Uh, but yeah. other than that, I mean, everything was going good until he had to open his mouth, and then they just kind of yeah. made sure they just put him away. Like 50, I don't think there's crazy. yeah, I don't think there's anything wrong with that, man. I mean, again, I complain about this at the NFL level. Yeah, I complain about this at the NFL level all the time. Some of these teams. You ain't got nothing to lose. Go for broke. Go for broke. Yeah. You know, stop being so respectful. I mean, I much rather have a coach gas to me than to say, you know, if your coach said, "Look, man, your mentality as a coach, as a player, anybody in the program or organization, I'm trying to go out and kick your ass every week, man. Like, I'm not going. What am I supposed to say? Sit here and tell my guys like, oh, we're going to Washington. They're a Pac-12 opponent. They're, you know, they're bigger, they're faster, they're stronger. They got better resources, better facilities. We have no chance of winning. But at the same time, I mean. They got, yeah, so they got blown out. They got crushed. Your most disappointing team? Man, my most disappointing team is Syracuse, man. I mean, as much preseason <laughs> hype that was going into the Orange, I mean, to have their first top 25, you know, preseason ranking, I want to say in the, in the last 10 years, I think it was in the last decade, to have a coach like Dino Babers to be able to return 14 guys on that team from last year, I really thought Tommy DeVito would be better. And, I mean, I just honestly thought the Liberty game was just, hey, Tommy DeVito, you know, is a, this is his first year taking over the system. They're working out some kinks. They got Maryland, who looks to be better, and they're not showing much. But it just seems to me that they're just not really good or they're just overhyped, right? And, I mean, I had really high, I mean, 10-win expectations for Syracuse based on, you know, that schedule and I, would, I thought they would be coming back, but, I mean, they look really bad, man. I mean, I mean to lose, you know, to just your only your sole win so far is Liberty, like fourteen to seven. You get blasted by Maryland, you get blasted by Syracuse. I mean, excuse me, you get blasted by Clemson at home, and it's like, Dino, man, come on, man. This was your year to really, you know, show college football really what you were building there in Syracuse, New York, and I just can't believe they just been this bad this early. Yeah, I gotta, I gotta give it to Syracuse too. I was very high on Syracuse. I've been very vocal about my boy Dino. Um, everybody knows that I support yeah, one too. black coach. <laughs> I support one black coach. So, um, no, nah, it's definitely been uh, disappointing um, in that aspect. Uh, it's even disappointing from a gambling uh, perspective uh, as well. But just in general, X's and O's, man, they just, they just can't execute, man. And you're returning 14 kids. Like I expect them to be able to handle some of the pressure uh, that goes along with with uh, last year's uh, success and this year's expectations, and they just haven't uh, met anything um, as far as what I expected. Um, I will also say and, and give out this surprise that my disappointing team against the number is Alabama. Oh, yeah. Now and it's and it's not and I know they still cover some games and and it's not really based off of last week either. Uh, it's just that Bama just this is the first time in a while I've seen them content with just winning games. Like Bama used to remind me of of the Patriots in the sense that I know somebody on that staff and I'm not directly saying Saban, but it's probably Nick Saban. Uh, just like Bill Belichick, they know about the numbers, man. They know they know about the spread. <laughs> And they used to lay in two teams. I'm talking lay into them like it was personal, like 
Citadel and stuff like that, just destroying these teams, man. And and this year they just seem content with with almost like they're looking forward to you know bigger games. Like they don't really care about the small fries anymore. And and it shows. Uh, I even saw a write up today talking about the line at thirty eight and a half or thirty nine. For the Southern Miss game, people were getting scared because they're like, "Well, Bama's taking their foot off the guys now." So, yeah. like, do we really want to lay lay the money on that? And it's crazy because I can tell you for a fact, last year nobody people would have hit that line till it was up to forty five uh, last yeah. year. But this year they're a little scared, and and it's not necessarily an indication that the team isn't as good. It's just you know it's just a different mentality, and and I just find it strange that it's coming from them like that. Um, I never thought I would see that from uh, a Nick Saban coach team. Um, on the flip side, in the NFL, we know Bill checking them don't care. They definitely out to kill everybody. <laughs> but uh, it seems like Bama's kind of taking their foot off the gas. And I'm a little disappointed because that was one of the surest bets last year, full game and um, halftime bets, uh, first half bets, was Alabama to cover any spread. Um, I think they only missed one or two. Um, and that was one of them was obviously against Clemson. I think the other one was against Citadel for a first half. Um, but other than that, I mean, they were just destroying people, and I just don't see that this year per se. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, let's see. We covered pretty much everything: the quarterly awards, the gambling hits and misses. Uh, I talked about my hits and misses um, at the beginning of the show before you got on, and I. Apologize to everybody, but I did say I was going to commit to that 28 anyway, and I got burned by the freaking <laughs> Clemson Tigers. They didn't have to score that touchdown, bro. They did not have to score that touchdown. Yeah, that was yeah. I get it. I get it. I deserve that. that. That's just the gambling guy telling me that's what you get. Um, lesson learned. But uh, what were your hits and misses um, for this past weekend? Man, my hits. I want. Man, what were my hits? Uh, I know, give me a second. Of course, I took Ohio State <laughs> against Indiana. Yeah. I took that line. That was a hit. My miss for me was Michigan State and Arizona State. I took Michigan State money line, and I really thought they would come out and, you know, dominate Arizona State. That didn't happen. Um, really, those are my two, like, biggest hits and misses that I really laid into last week. This week is really going to be – I'm going to take some risks this week, man. I'm going I'm to go with a couple dogs. I'm going to go with um, – I think I'm going to go with Notre Dame. That's for one. And I think Auburn and Texas A&M is one that I'm keeping my eye on this weekend. I like Auburn at the uh, three, plus three and a half. I, I think they're going to go on the road and, and, and beat a really good Texas A&M team. I think Bo Nix, we've seen, you know, just riding that momentum from Oregon, and he seems like Gus Melzahn, you know, they're starting to build this rapport and get comfortable. I, I like them on the road to go against Texas A&M. So we'll see. But I've been, I've been playing it pretty safe the first couple of weeks. And then – this week, I said, you know what, I'm gonna take some risks. Yeah, I I kind of uh, decided to take risks last week, and it was like smack, smack, smack. It, it definitely taught me a lesson. Um, I didn't say my my best hit. My best hit, uh, like I said at the beginning of the show, was one that I shared in the All Star group, and that was the uh, Navy midshipman against um, East Carolina. I got it at seven. I told everybody. Um, you know, uh, it was probably the best play of the day. Uh, very, very light line uh, for a um, team that historically struggles in Annapolis. And um, one thing that I picked up from that game that had me very hyped is that Navy has a quarterback again who understands the offense, knows when to keep, yeah. when to pitch, and, and how to move. And their fullback isn't necessarily that bad either. But if you allow the quarterback to keep the ball, because generally people try to stop the fullback anyway in the triple option, he will destroy you. And and that's what he did. And I was very excited about that. I was very excited about uh, how their defense seemed to be uh, competent and um, able to, uh, you know, keep up with people, which you really worry about the, the um, athletic ability of the uh, military schools, because a lot of times that's basically where they lose at, is that they're not yeah. athletic enough to keep up with other teams, but um, I liked everything I saw uh, from them, and I was really excited about that. Uh, the worst bet, obviously, still is just that Syracuse line because it was a push. It was a push until the dude – like, why not just go down, man? You don't need to score. <laughs> I, was, I was so heartbroken, man. I, I think everybody was asleep by the time that happened, but I was definitely up cursing, cursing uh, you know, by myself, like, what the hell, man? But um, <laughs> it's fine. Honestly, 
I have no shame in taking risks like that um, on my own dime. Obviously, I didn't share that with people like, oh, you should play that too. Like, I wouldn't do that. Yeah. I know when I'm, I'm I'm reaching. So, um, this week, this week, um, I have my eye on Kansas. Obviously, like I said, I, I took that immediately. I actually took that at halftime. <laughs> uh, and, and it seems like people are, are kind of playing it as well. It was at four and a half when I got it. Uh, it's kind of split as far as like sharps and, and um, the public when it's at four, but I like I like the uh, home underdog aspect. I don't think the Mountaineers are that great. I do know like obviously they beat uh, North Carolina State. That was kind of an emotional win. They weren't they wasn't expected mm-hmm. to win, and then they were at home. Um, I think Kansas coming back to play in front of their fans who were super hyped after watching them destroy. Um, Boston College is a good place to play. Uh, another interesting line that I'm thinking about doing a contrarian play on is the Colorado Buffaloes are visiting Arizona State. It's a seven and a half. Yeah, Arizona yeah. State just had a, a a just a great game, like uh, for that program, and and it's just one of those games where you just know they're on a high. And then comes Colorado, yep. who normally likes to play spoiler anyway. They actually don't travel that bad. Um, and I think that is a but good it, spot. Go ahead. They're coming off that loss to Air Force. That's concerning. I just don't know if that loss was just a letdown loss because of uh-huh. having such a big win against Nebraska, or is that truly Colorado and they're really not that good? But I saw that line and I, it had me thinking too. And I was saying I'm I'm going to look more into that as, as Saturday gets closer. Yeah, and um, I think, like I said, it's one of those situational plays. If this was the NFL. Um, I would uh I would like definitely play it. Um another interesting line was uh the Tulane and Houston line. Everybody knows I'm a big Tulane supporter. Uh it was actually yeah, it, it actually came in kinda low, uh around like three and a half, maybe three, but it's up to five. I think people are kinda thinking what I'm thinking and that this Tulane team is for real. Um, and they're, and they're yeah. a good discipline team. They got a very good defense. Um, and I think when you play against air raid type systems, being disciplined is very, very key, especially in the secondary. And uh, you got to make the air raid people work for it. You can't give up chunk plays. And I don't think yeah. Tulane is, is uh, the type of team that gives up chunk plays. I don't think they'll have a problem scoring on um, Houston as they're very physical and they also have the capability to pass the ball, but they, they tend to give you a good balanced attack. Uh, I love them at home. They played Florida International at home, I think, the first week, and I hammered it. It was a really low line, but they absolutely destroyed them. Uh, they did what they could against the Auburn team, but coming off of playing Auburn and then having to play Houston, I think, is probably a godsend. So um, I expect them to win. That game is actually on Thursday at 8 o'clock. Uh, which is interesting because it's going up against the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars and Tennessee Titan game. Uh, so I would I would definitely love to see the numbers on that. See if people actually would flip over. They probably won't, but I I would much rather watch Tulane and Houston and Jacksonville and, and Tennessee. But it is what it is. Um, another interesting trap like line maybe USC hosting Utah. A lot of big names at this game. One of yeah. your boys at this game, right? Ain't yeah, your boy visiting yeah, the campus? Man, my my boy Irv is gonna be in town, and also they're welcoming Reggie back back to Reggie Bush back to campus, man, for the first yeah. time, you know, since all the allegations from you know USC and his playing days. It's a huge weekend for them, man, because you're looking at a potential, the next coach potentially, you know, welcome back Reggie. The program's doing okay, a little better than we thought they'd be. So it's yeah. a good game for the Trojans. Yeah, and and I really I'm really big on those emotional type games. It's almost like a homecoming game. Like it's gonna yeah. have that kind of vibe. Um, and I've seen Utah lay some eggs before, man. Um, they are they are the best team in the Pac-12, I think. Um, but sometimes they do kind of sputter on the road. And we're looking at at a four, which is not a key number uh, generally. Like so, you're thinking about a three. Six and a half, seven ish. Uh, the four is a little shaky, and I've seen Utah win games uh, on the road against against teams like USC in the in the waning minutes by field goals and things like that. So 
I would be I would be interested in in maybe doing a, a dog play here with USC. Um, I would love to see if people wanted to go higher, but the spread is killed by the public with uh, Utah. It seems like like you know the things we talked about it seems like a proper fade. Um, so yeah. I mean it's one of those games I watch. I think the best play Friday is the under in Boise State versus Air Force. <laughs> Nobody's been to Boise State and scored more than 21 points anyway. Um, yeah. They are used to playing Air Force because Air Force is in their conference, so they're used to the triple option and, and the things that they do, so it's not much prep work for them. Um, I think the under is, is a solid play there. Uh, I don't expect Boise to necessarily air it out. Um, if anything, they're going to run the ball, and they haven't really been explosive on offense since playing Florida State, so uh, I think that's an interesting game to check out on Friday. So we're almost close to action, which I know makes you excited, makes me excited basically have football every single day. Um, so yeah. we're getting there. We're getting there. So Thursday and Friday games, some relatively interesting matchups and entertainment there. And then we gave you the, the marquee games on um, Saturday. Is there any other game that you thought maybe Saturday you would also be interested in watching? Man, I think I think we covered the big ones, UGA um, and Notre Dame, Michigan and Wisconsin, um, Auburn and Texas A&M, the one to keep an eye on. Those are probably the biggest games. Utah USC, I am interested to see what happens in the Pac-12, um, you know, because I think that's a big moment for USC to really see, you know, where they're going to compete and, you know, and going forward in the conference. But, no, I think I really – I think this weekend, I, I mean, my Buckeyes are going to blast Miami of Ohio, and I'm just – I'm going to really be tuned into the Michigan-Wisconsin game at noon, and you know how it goes, whatever, 3.30 slide, and then the night slide with UGA and Notre Dame. And that ticket is crazy. So I live in Atlanta now. And man, I mean, okay. just to get in the door at Stanford Stadium, it's like four hundred, four hundred and fifty bucks. It's crazy. Yeah. Like everybody in this city is getting. Yeah, it's, it's a big, it's, it's a huge game because Athens isn't that far. It's like an hour and fifteen mm-hmm. minutes up the road. Because I was like, dang man, I'd make that drive and you know just get a ticket and go. But I'm like, man, I don't care what rats ass about either one of those teams to pay four hundred dollars to go see them. So, it's I'm interested to see, man. It's gonna be it's Notre Dame. I, I'm rooting for Notre Dame, though. I'll say that. I really want Notre Dame to win because I think that really throws a wrench into the college football playoff. And right now, I think mm-hmm. it's, it's six teams battling for four spots. So it's almost, you know, now it's like a single elimination going forward almost. Yeah. Um, and I, I think Saturday gives a, a great um, split between entertainment. We got uh, Michigan and, and Wisconsin first. We even got Auburn and Texas A&M at 330 uh, in between. Yeah. And then we've got, uh, like you said, the the game of the night, Georgia and Notre Dame. So um, it's it's some entertainment on this weekend. Uh, one other game that I thought might be interesting, um, just for my own like amusement, Cal visiting Mississippi. Cal- California's been yeah. pretty tough out hey, there Cal- in Pac-12. They were, yeah, they were going to be one of my surprise teams. I think what Justin Wilcox has done for them to be able to start this fast, beat mm-hmm. Washington, you know, to be the 24th ranked team in the country. <laughs> For the Kyle Bears, you know, pretty good. I, I I like I like watching them, man. I think you know Justin Wilcox is one of the better defensive coaches in the country, and they kind of play, you know, towards their strengths, man. So they 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 are. That's gonna be a good game to watch. Yeah, I'm, like I said, I'm very interested in that game um, as well. So uh, definitely a, a entertaining week of football. Again, I think people will appreciate that we did not trash Jim Harwell. <laughs> That's not what the show is about. There's, that was genuine concern. And uh, analysis. So, um, oh wait, we actually have a caller, um, which I didn't even notice that because I haven't been looking at the line. Hold on, y'all. Let's see who <laughs> this is. If it's if it's a Texas fan, I'm I'm kicking you off and ending the show. <laughs> Let's see. Nine one three six. Who is this? Yes, we will. Two and zero. Oh, let's go. Headed for the three zero. Oh, Mr. Gibbs was good, y'all. Was good. Oh my god. Oh my god. Gibbs, how Gibbs, you feeling, how you feeling Gibbs. about this weekend? Just give it to us, bro, man. How you feeling? Hey, I told y'all on the earlier podcast that uh, this was going to be the loss for us. So, hey. Oh. If it is, hey, I said eleven and one, and I said this was the game. Do I think we can win? Absolutely, but yeah, I'm gonna be honest with you. I'm totally out on Shea Patterson. I'm just gonna okay. keep it real. 
I am totally so you out. You'd rather see them play either Milton or McCaffrey, right? Because I think McCaffrey yes, is a better quarterback. I think McCaffrey's way better than Shea Patterson. I, I don't know if Jim just doesn't have faith in the kid or he doesn't want to bench a senior. I don't know what it is, but you're right. Shea just looks like he's regressed. Like he just has no confidence, no nothing. Yeah, because as a senior quarterback, you can't. He's making freshman mistakes. Yeah, yeah. And and it's crazy because that first play of the game, of the first game of the season, he fumbles the ball, and I'm like, Nah, dog, I'm out. I, I can't, I can't have it. The first play, bro. The first play, I said, Nah, bro. I'm usually very lenient on quarterbacks, but after I saw that, I said, Nah, dog, I'm out. I can't have it, man. I'm gonna head out, huh? I didn't see enough. Oh, man, man. Hey, you're a senior quarterback, man. It's not the business, man. Can't be doing that. Shay needs a sports psychologist, man. That's all it is. It's all mental right now. That's what I think. I really think it's all Jim Harbaugh. (laughs) I hope so. Yeah, that that Army game, man, that was real too close to the chest. I'm glad we won. Well, I think it's just so funny in comparison. I hate to compare you guys to us, but it's like people talk about, oh, it's Jim Harbaugh, the pro-style offense that doesn't work. But if you look at what we've done, we've essentially become Michigan. You see us in more three tight end sets, <laughs> a lot of Justin Fields under center, and it works because our coach is creative in how to get Justin in the bootlegs and when they call the right Fact. plays. I know, I just, you know, it's just like Jim. It's talent there. Tariq Black's a baller, Jonathan Peoples, Donovan Peoples-Jones, who – I don't know if he's going to be out this weekend or not, but Chabernet yeah. looks nice. I mean, the offense has talent, and I just don't know why they're just stuck in a rut year after year after year. Man, look, he can go to the NFL as far as I care at this point. Dang. Say it ain't I'm a hardball guy. I like him, but this offense, man, I don't know if he's still stuck in the NFL rut. Man, look, we, we got to get it going, man, because Wisconsin – they haven't given up a point all year long. And I'm sitting <laughs> yeah, here like, it's like, okay, their offense, I know John Taylor, I think he's one of the best running backs in the country. And their quarterback seems like he's pretty pretty efficient. So that's like, yeah, he's and they're at home, yeah. at home, three and a half favorite. Yeah, that's that, that's that's going to be a close game. That's I think it's going to be uh, probably a 20-21-17 type game. Mm-hmm. Whoever makes that big play late in the game, I think is going to win it. But, but, but the like thing I said, is with I, Shea, he just yeah. makes too many mistakes, man. Like you said, like you can yeah. be inaccurate, you cannot be good, but you just can't make mistakes to compound that. Like you can't be, you know, physically and mentally deficient. You, bro, come on, you're a senior. You've seen a lot of football. You've seen uh-huh. the SEC. Now you're in the Big Ten. You like. I don't know. I, I've never seen anything like it. Like, I just don't understand the regression in the offense because it's like you guys aren't utilizing. His, I, I don't know, man. I don't know. Oh, I like I've, see I've seen talking. something like it. I've seen something like it. His name was John O'Corn and Wilton Spade. <laughs> <laughs> hey, all I want all I want you to do, bro, is just admit that I wasn't wrong about my Harbaugh criticism, bro. He oh, still, you were wrong? No, I never said you were wrong. That's the funny right. part. I never said you were wrong. You were actually if I can get Ronnie to admit stuff. that. I mean, One yeah. more thing. I just get if you guys if you guys lose this game as a diehard true Michigan fan, how does that make you feel about the state of the program going forward? If you here you are, you know, with arguably the best team in the Harbaugh era to be preseason favorites in the Big Ten, Urban Myers retired, we didn't know what we were gonna get with Ohio State. Now it's like, man, you got another big time game. How, how you gonna feel after that if you lose this one? Well, hey, we, we, hey, I got two words for you. We already at the kitty table, so. <laughs> we ain't got all man, no time. So. School, man. You, Jawan, how are time coming, man? Man, man, yeah, yeah, Jawan, yeah, Jawan, I think Jawan's going to do good things, actually. Yeah, y'all basketball yeah. school, man. Go, go, you know what? Go talk to Kansas and all of them, man. Get out of here. But the thing <laughs> yeah, get is, you, though, Get you a less mouth. <laughs> oh, wow. yeah, I, I pass on that one. <laughs> but no, actually, the, the the thing that concerns me that schedule is man, that schedule yeah, tough. is tough. real tough. Especially after seeing Maryland, I know they had a slip up last week, but man, but that, that team I'm that can beat you, yeah. Game. Okay. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I'm like, man, Maryland looks really good as far as offensive talent. I'm like, okay, we still got Penn State, still got the night game versus Notre Dame. I'm like, look, if we And you know Lockheed is coming can. after y'all, too, with him and Josh yeah. Gaddis. So, you know, he's going to have that game circled. You're right. You're oh, yeah, he's oh, he, oh, he, oh, he definitely going to be ready for that. I mean, and then, of course, Buckeye Nation. But I was like, man, if we could get 10 wins – out of that schedule, yo, I'd be pretty – I think this might be Harbaugh's yeah, best coach. Yeah, they have a good season. Yeah. Yeah, man. But like I said – I'll agree to that. Fact, it's, it's murderous, bro. Matter of fact, just to, to drive off topic, I want to mention one thing. Hey, Texans, I got I got something to say to y'all. Read our book. Take a look, because it's the kitty table. <laughs> 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 hey, yo. <laughs> and I'm going to let it end on that, too. I'm going to tell all the Texas fans to just, talk, just go to the very end of the show and hear what Akeem has to say, yo. I, I appreciate you calling in, bro. Hey, yo, appreciate thanks, fellas. I appreciate it, man. I'll talk to y'all, man. Please. All right. All right. Hey, Marcus, as you can hear in the background, my, my man baby is getting turned up, so I'm going to have ready. to go ahead and end this show. <laughs> hey, appreciate you calling in, man. Yeah, man. Anytime, man. Until next week. All right, this has been the IBM Weekly College Football Podcast, week four, and we're out.